Welcome to Food Chat, a weekly show that's all about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate. Now, let's get you reconnected to your food, and here are your hosts, Greg Bloom and Chef Jackson Lamb. Talk about an uphill battle, 2,000 acres of beans and cattle, but he don't ever get rattled, he just goes till the sun goes down. Welcome to Food Chat. Food Chat is all about where food comes from. And I'm Greg Bloom, your host, and we are going to be talking today about food policy, also known as ag policy. And I have a guest here today, Jerry Sonnenberg. Before I introduce Jerry, just a little bit about me. I'm Greg Bloom, and uh, I grew up on a farm near Brighton, and I have spent my entire life selling food. Worked in six different USDA food plants here in Colorado. And so Food Chat is all about, you know, farmers, ranchers. We've interviewed some great guests in the past. You can find all those episodes at www.foodchat.us. But today we have guest Jerry Sonnenberg. Jerry, welcome to the show. Oh, Greg, it's my pleasure to be with you today. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm so glad to have you on the show. And, hey, Jerry, let's just start with... um, your background and your farm, and just tell us a little bit about you and how did you become a policymaker from being in ag production? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not a normal path uh, one would uh, expect someone to take. Uh, I actually live in the same house that both my father and I were raised in. I raised my children there, so we've had uh, uh, what? Four, four generations grow up in that house on the farm, and I've, uh, I'm proud to be part of a centennial farm. Uh, had the farm with, uh, with the family for 100 years. Uh, we have a farming and ranching uh, operation where we grow wheat and corn and hay and millet, uh, milo. Uh, and then we have a cow-calf operation and a small feedlot. And then we do all of that uh, with just our family. We don't have any hired help. Uh, just, I guess, that slave labor that uh, my children haven't figured out how to leave yet. Well, I grew up on a farm, Jerry, not doing that many different things as you guys do, but I do know the slave labor. In fact, I used to ask my dad if he'd pay me an allowance, and my dad said, what? You get free room and board, so actually you owe me money every week. So I left the farm as soon as I could, Jerry. When I was 18, I was like, I'm going to be an exchange student to Japan just to get off that farm. It was too much work. You know, of course, years later, I went back and loved it now, love it now. But, you know, there was that period of time I just, the slave labor <laughs> to be so. But that's just the way it is in ag. I mean, every farm kid, I think, goes through that experience. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And the truth is uh, I've spent my entire life trying to make sure that the farm was in a position that if my kids wanted to come back and farm, that there was room for them and try and prepare for them to go ahead and continue that legacy, continue that family tradition. And two of my four children indeed uh, uh, have come back to the farm and continue to, uh, one of them runs the uh, cattle side or the livestock side of the operation, and the other one runs the farming side of the operation. And I've been relinquished to the gopher guy, the, the guy that has to do all that grunt work that I made my kids do when they were growing up in high school. So uh, turnaround evidently is fair play, but uh, the truth is I wouldn't have it any other way. 
Well, it sounds like a great succession plan, Jerry, but you're still involved, and that's that's great. So let's talk about how you got into becoming a state senator and then very active in, in all, all policy, but we're going to talk in particular today about ag policy, food policy, since this is a show about food. So what what caused you to get, into, get interested in politics? You know, Greg, that's a great question. Back in the uh, 80s, about, what is that, 40 years ago, uh, we had some people moving into our rural community that didn't like it but farmers were bailing at two in the morning because that's when the moisture was right or the dew content was right uh that they could do their work or that they were harvesting or or that uh they were changing water the the noise uh was something that was wasn't they weren't used to and so the county commissioners at that time asked me to chair a committee to draft a right-to-farm ordinance and land-use policy for Logan County, the current county that I live in, the one I've lived my entire life in. And so I got involved in drafting that policy, helping to protect ag, so people that moved into the community would actually understand what agriculture was all about and that you would expect uh, what to expect when you moved in this community. And I enjoyed that. And the truth is, uh, then I started writing a column uh, to defend ag, to talk about agriculture. And I, interestingly enough, that column was called Notes from the Outhouse Wall, which was mm-hmm. a lot of uh, humor as well as uh, 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 agriculture education to try and help my urban cousins. And then the pressure just came that said, you know, we need someone that has your ability to speak on behalf of agriculture and represent agriculture at the state house. Was that something you'd be interested in doing? And the first answer was no, absolutely. I have no desire to go uh, uh, be in politics. Then uh, the conversation continued where I could actually make a difference and, and build bridges between our urban uh, uh, and rural divide and, and be helpful with that. And so uh, uh, I indeed then uh, uh, got involved, uh, got uh, elected to uh, the legislature, served there for 16 years, and actually uh, enjoyed that policy aspect on on how we can make things better for agriculture, how we can bridge that gap between our urban and rural cousins. Wow, Jerry, thank you for that explanation. And 16 years as a state senator. Did I, did I hear that right? Uh, actually, I served eight years in the House of Representatives and then eight years uh, in the Colorado Senate. So I was in the legislature a total of 16 years, but eight years in each chamber. Got it. Okay, got it. Thank you. Um, so you've served for a lot of years, uh, nearly two decades, as a as a state representative, as a senator, House representative. So what did you learn? What can you tell our listeners about how food, we also call it ag, but how food ag policy is formed in your experience? You know, it becomes challenging, and I'll tell you the one of the things that helped me be successful was to build those relationships, build the relationships earlier rather than try and, uh, you know, come in with a, with a steel fist 
so that we could have a conversation. And it was interesting, uh, when Governor Hickenlooper uh, first got elected uh, in year five of my uh, legislative career, uh, he reached out to me and his staff reached out to me and said, you and the governor ought to sit down and talk and get to know each other. So interestingly enough, we couldn't go anywhere in public because uh, people would just bombard us. So we grabbed a six-pack of beer and two lawn chairs and went out on the patio of the House of Representatives one evening for about three hours, having a beer or two, and just getting to know each other. And what that set the stage for was a relationship in which he would want to advance a policy, and then I could have the conversation and say, do you realize the unintended consequence for this in rural Colorado is scenario B and or, or a different scenario? And he would say, well, that's not my intent. Help me fix it. That's how things actually got done uh, early on in my legislative career and, and was important to build those relationships to help shape agriculture. When I started in the legislature, there were only two people actively involved uh, in, in agriculture. One of them was at that time Senator Greg Brophy, who was my senator from Ray, and then myself in the House of Representatives. Nobody else was involved with agriculture, was a farmer and rancher. Since then, we've had a few more actually come in, but when it comes right down to it, agriculture is the second largest industry in the state of Colorado, and uh, we have a very small percentage of people in the legislature, uh, like 5 or 6%, that actually work in agriculture and understand agriculture. So that becomes a challenge when it comes to ag policy. How do you move the needle? How do you protect agriculture from a generation now that is three or four generations moved from the farm that you serve with that doesn't know anything about agriculture or how their food is produced? Yeah, that's a great question, Jerry. I mean, how do you? So there's a committee, there's an ag committee, um, both at the House and the Senate, and typically the members of that committee don't have an ag background. So some do, some don't. But how does that, when a, when a food production bill or an ag bill or something's going to affect agriculture at any level comes to that committee, uh, and then to the to the House or to the Senate. I mean, how do how do they get their information? How do they how do they get educated so they know which way to go on on an on an issue? Well, and and that's a great question because you're exactly right. With just a small number of people involved in agriculture, the ag committee isn't often made up of a majority of ag producers, uh, and, and so the education process, the communication process indeed becomes a challenge. Uh, after you have built those relationships, and for someone that had the tenure that I did, uh, I was able to build that credibility that people would actually come to me. They also came to uh, uh, the ag groups uh, uh, and, and uh, uh, trade associations involved in agriculture to ask their opinion. Uh, but there were some in my latter years that just chose not to make any difference or, or to have that conversation, 
and wouldn't listen to agriculture. And so ag policy has changed drastically over the last couple of years simply because that communication uh, is no longer there or the desire to have those conversations is no longer there. So uh, we in agriculture have to work harder at building those relationships and, so that we can have that conversation with the, with the new legislators that think that they know best how to produce food. And, you know, it's fascinating to me, someone who's been on the farm, the same farm for 100 years, I call myself the ultimate environmentalist because I and my family have taken care of that land better each year or work to make it better each year than it was the year before. And oftentimes our urban cousins don't understand that type of effort that we put in uh, to, to making sure our environment uh, is sustainable for a number of years uh, down the road. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, uh, farmers and ranchers that are multi-generational have proven that uh, sustainability is viable because they've done it. They've done it for generations. And so, you know, it's funny that rural people sometimes think, and I don't know where they get these notions, probably the press or social media, that, that farmers are trashing the land or they're, they're doing something toxic that's not sustainable. Well, that would be against everything that they believe in and and, and detrimental to their own self-interest. So that really doesn't happen. But, you know, I was at, at a, a Colorado fruit and vegetable um, meeting that you attended uh, last month in early March, and you were on a panel discussion, and the theme of that panel discussion, Jerry, was, you know, how people can get involved with their local or state or county uh, or even city uh, with the issues because most of us are so busy and we're so disconnected from all that and we're a little intimidated by it because we don't understand it and we don't know anybody. But you and the panel gave some great advice, I thought. One of the things you mentioned at that discussion you already brought up today is build a relationship. And I thought that was a good thing. You know, build a relationship before there's even an ask. You just get to know them before you need something, right? So, But what are some other um, tips you'd have for people who feel disconnected from legislature either at the city or the county now you're a county commissioner for logan county so you've got some things to say about that but what what's a good way to start so they can feel like they're connected and making a difference with not just ag policy but anything they're they're concerned about and and greg it, it all goes back to that relationship if if we were to start cold if someone wants to get involved right now i wouldn't send an email or a phone call regarding policy, what I would do is reach out and say, hey, I'm Greg Bloom, and uh, I'm one of your constituents, or I farm and ranch uh, in northeastern Colorado, and I'd like to just share with you my information so that if you ever need a resource, somebody to talk to on how this might impact somebody in rural Colorado, that you have my information and then follow up with that and drop by their office and introduce yourself to their staff and occasionally maybe you'll be able to uh, be introduced to uh, the legislator themselves or drop by the county commissioner's office uh, give them a call uh, I was one of those I don't know if I was foolish or what it was but I published my cell phone all 16 years in my legislature, so people had direct access to me. 
If someone does that, take advantage of it. Just send them a text. Hey, this is uh, uh, Joe down the street. Uh, I live about 60 miles from you. And we have a lot of things in common. And sometimes I'd less like to reach out to you and see what we do have in common and how I can be helpful to you. And develop those relationships so that when you then call or text, your name pops up in that uh, cell phone and it doesn't come across as a random number. Because random numbers, I will tell you, as many phone calls as I got in the legislature, random numbers got sent to voicemail. If I recognized the name or the name showed up, that's a call I took and would have that conversation with folks and once you start having that dialogue and having that conversation, then when something comes up, policy or rulemaking, that you want to share your thoughts, you have that access. And don't just do it to your own legislators or your own county commissioners. Build those relationships with anybody on the Ag Committee. Those urban cousins that may not have that access, call them up, text them, email them, and say, I know I'm not your constituent, but I may be able to be a great resource for you if you ever have questions on ag policy. I don't have anything for you now, but I just wanted to introduce myself to you. And do that, build those relationships so that you then, when there is policy issue, you can reach out and actually make a difference and they'll take the time to listen to you. Yeah, that's really good advice, Jerry. I can't imagine how many emails uh, come through for a state representative or senator or, you know, county commissioner. I mean, even even just a normal person, we have hundreds of emails and you just can't even get read them all, hardly respond to them all. But I like your, your, your information and your comments about texting, because if I had built a relationship with you a year ago and just said, hey, I'm down the road and I do this and and that well you're going to have that text history in your phone and maybe you added my name so now a year later there's something coming up of, that I'm concerned about and I want to talk to you about it and I text you hey Jerry there's something I'd like to talk to you about well there's a history there and not just a cold you know brand new text that's really good advice so thanks for that yeah a- absolutely and and it doesn't matter quite honestly Greg and you know this it doesn't matter if it's in politics or in the business world Everything is about relationships, and you develop those relationships. You don't burn those bridges, even if you disagree. Uh, I, there, there are times when I would disagree on policy at the Capitol and then go out after this heated discussion and go out afterwards and have a beer with the folks to sit down and, 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 and visit and get to know them even better. Uh, you can agree to disagree. For crying out loud, my wife doesn't agree with me all the time. <laughs> that doesn't mean that we, you know, uh, are divided for forever. Uh, it just goes for an example that if somebody agrees with you most of the time or all the time, one of you is a follower and not a leader. Right, right. Um, before we move on to the next point I want to make, uh, Jerry, 
uh, something I learned at Ag Day at the Capitol a few years ago that I don't think most people understand. And I was like, wow, I never do that. If there's a um, committee, an ag committee or any committee, education committee, just all the different committees that exist, and they're proposing a bill that's going to go forward in the House or the Senate, I didn't know this, and you can clarify this, make sure I understand it right, that I would be wasting my time to call my local representative where I live in Douglas County and say, hey, I want you to know something about this bill that's being that's being kind of uh, talked about in committee, because if they're not on that committee, they've got... They've got no saying it, so I really should be talking to the people on that committee, even if I'm not their constituent. Do I have that right? Uh, yes, actually, you should be talking to both, because if it passes out of that committee, then your own representative may uh, be able to weigh into it when it goes to the committee of the whole or the, the floor of the, uh, either the Senate or the House. But, but you're exactly right. If your area of interest is indeed agriculture, you want to try and build those relationships and have those conversations with those people on the Ag Committee. Uh, there are other uh, committees as well. If, you're, if your interest is in the healthcare field, uh, obviously you will go to uh, try and build those relationships with uh, someone in another committee. And, and quite honestly, uh, it never hurts to build as many relationships as you can, uh, to get to know those people that are decision makers, whether it's at the state level, the federal level, or even your local uh, county level, and even your city council. You, you build those relationships, even though on a city council you have a number of council members that don't represent you, but may listen to you if you have had a relationship or if you have built a relationship with them. And you're right. You want to talk to the people that are immediately dealing with that policy. And in some cases, uh, that may not include your own representative. And that's why you build those relationships with other folks. Right. <clears throat> that's great. Thank you, Jerry, for explaining that. Um, uh, what are your top three takeaways from serving for eight years in the Senate and eight years in the House? What would what, what, you say? You know, uh, more so than ever, and I know I sound like a broken record, but it is indeed all about relationships. It's about relationships with your peers. It's about relationship with the lobby corps. Uh, it's about relationships with uh, your constituents and even those outside. Because quite frankly, when I was in the legislature, and since there's so few of us uh, involved in ag, I actually represented much of rural Colorado, even though those people in most areas of rural Colorado or the other areas of rural Colorado couldn't vote for me. So relationships is the first thing uh, is a takeaway. The second takeaway is relationships, and the third takeaway is relationships. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that sounds... <laughs> oh, sounds right. It's like real estate. Real estate's location, 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 <laughs> and you're saying in, in what we're talking about, it's relationships, relationships, relationships. It makes sense. Uh, it is. Uh, there are, however, some other things that were takeaways that uh, uh, people that work at the Capitol, that, that are elected officials. You may disagree with them. I may disagree with them. But understand that they are there as a principled person 
that is carrying out what they learned in their environment. And that environment that they grew up in or that they work in before they went to the legislature had a huge influence on their life, just like my environment in rural Colorado. They are trying to do the best they can for their constituents and with with the knowledge that they have grown up with. And so everybody is trying to do a good job. Uh, they're not evil people. And, and we have made politics such a divided, uh, hateful game the last couple of years that uh, it seems like, uh, well, if they don't agree with you, they're your enemy. And that's not the case. Uh, if you spend more time listening to understanding their perspective, then you have a better understanding of how to combat that or how to educate them or give them information so that they understand where you're coming from as well. Those are probably the two biggest takeaways that I had in the legislature. There's good people down there trying to do good work, and just because they disagree with you doesn't make them your enemy. Yeah, I've experienced that. I think most people have is that, you know, through social media and, uh, you know, when you're not sitting in front of someone face to face, looking at them in the eyeballs, uh, things can get kind of blown up and, and, and this all becomes partisan. But when you're sitting down with someone across the table, uh, having a meal with them or at the office, you know, it's it's a whole different dynamic. And I take the time to go and see my own state and uh uh, national legislature. I go to D.C. You know, every other year, and and see the senators if I can see them, and the representatives usually are meeting with their staffers. But that's okay. That's important too. Uh, but uh, yeah, just that eyeball to eyeball. You know, things don't get blown up and out of proportion. And these are people. We're all people. We're putting on our socks and shoes every day, and we all have families, and we all care about our community, and we all care about our state, and. And uh, these issues don't become such a big deal, you know. This, uh, this that they do uh, that they do become on social media. I found so that's good advice, Jerry. Yeah, and and, and quite honestly, um, social media has become a challenge and probably has escalated the divide simply because people say things on social media that they would never say to your face. They, we don't treat people like that in person, and why we treat them that way on social media or uh, uh, through uh, uh, text messages or things like that is just beyond me. And then, quite honestly, I'm hoping that society as a whole looks back at this and says, you know, we probably went a little too far. Let's, uh, let's get back to face-to-face conversations where... We can be civil to each other, have a conversation, and understand where each side's coming from. Very well said. Thank you, Jerry. Hey, Jerry, thank you for being on Food Chat today. We really enjoyed our time. I'm sorry it's already up, but uh, we'll catch up with you down the road, and, and, and take care. Thanks so much. Thank you, Greg. I look forward to seeing you again soon. 
Today's episode of Food Chat is brought to you by RanchFreshMeats.com. RanchFreshMeats.com has the best selection of beef, bison, wagyu, air-chilled chicken, turkey, and duroc pork, and more, all sourced from the family farms and ultra-clean USDA plants that they know personally. Take the mystery out of where your meat comes from and how the animals were cared for and buy your family's meats at RanchFreshMeats.com. Hey, save 10% on your first order by using Food Chat at checkout. Orders over $200 include free shipping. RanchFreshMeats.com. Here's to the farmer that plants the fields in the spring. The turn from green to that harvest honey. Hold one up for the banker downtown. They got him on his feet with handshake money. Here's to the farmer's wife. And a daughter, they gather around the table, send it up to the father. Somehow they get closer when times get harder. Here's to the farmer. The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.